0: I'm a big nerd. I'm a, I'm a, I've got my Superman t-shirt on today. I, I'm a big nerd, and I love, love, love Superman. Now, I, I, I love all the other comic book characters, too, but Superman is the ultimate. I think if you put them all side by side and compared their bios to each other and said, all right, this guy can do this, this guy can do this, this guy can do that, Superman, by far, beats them all. Anybody agree or disagree? I will fight you. I will fight you. I agree. <clears throat> Superman is the best. He's the ultimate. In fact, when the writers were creating Superman, they, they, they took inspiration from Greek mythology in order to make him godlike here on this earth. And so he has that. Now he has a weakness, but it's Krypton, man. Come on. Who's gonna find the pieces of Krypton? Who's gonna use them and actually destroy this guy? You know? So he's powered by the sun and unless that goes out, Superman's here to stay. You know what I'm saying? So Anyway, so Superman's my favorite one, but when you start looking at characters, you go, alright, that's where Superman is now. We see him in his cape, and by the way, this is, this is my personal cape, and I was going to wear it, but I hung it here, and everybody said, well, that looks good, you're just going to leave it right there. So I, I could be egged on to put it on, I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm, not, it's, I'm not opposed to wearing the cape. My dad is here, and he's wearing a cape in the back. It's, it's actually my boys' cape from when they were infants. and. Uh, <coughs> Hey, he's wearing the cape. It's it's, it's uh, pretty funny. Anyway, so um, it's Superman. It's uh, yes, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I so wear it. I can, I can do it. But go, t- ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go no, ahead. No oh, oh, okay. Maybe just for a minute. Maybe just, all right. All right. All right. No, I'll even strike the pose too. I'll do it. There we go. go for it. See what happens? See what happens? I'm easily, I'm easily persuaded, I'm, I'm very, very. it's good to know. Wait, wait, here comes. Oh, I'll get over here so you can see. And I'll, I'll leave it, well, I'll just leave it. All right. oh, you're oh, you're oh, one more time, one more time for the camera. One more time for Facebook. One more time for Facebook, that's right. Alright, so Superman is an iconic character. He's a cultural icon. There are several, if you would go to a tattoo, and I didn't do this, I didn't have time, I thought about it last night, actually five o'clock this morning. If I were to go to a tattoo artist and say, what are the two most most received tattoos? They will probably tell you a cross, and the Superman logo. In fact, I have I have a tattoo, and this is a Jesus handprint. But this was supposed to be a Superman logo. This this was this was it was like th- all my life I'm like I'm gonna get a tattoo. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get one, and it's gonna be the Superman logo. You know, maybe I'll just get it on my chest, and then you know I don't really have a chest to show off. You know, so I I, I just squashed it, but I, I still may get one someday. But my first tattoo, I decided to go with something that meant something to me. Something that was the Jesus tattoo instead. But I'll bet that's one of the most most receive tattoos is that that logo it's iconic we relate to it we receive inspiration from it so it's an amazing thing so i want to examine the man of steel and um i want to talk this week about superman's backstory because who he was then is not who he was growing up he has a backstory he has a, a, a place where he was a kid, where he lived and grew up just like us. He grew up in Smallville. I don't know all the details off the top of my head, so for those of you that really are diehard Superman fans, please forgive me if I get something wrong. <coughs> but he grew up as a kid. Here's an alien from outer space, right? And his dad, his, his plan's getting ready to blow up, and Superman is sent to this planet because everybody on Krypton is getting ready to perish, right? So Superman comes here as an orphan. The Clarks, uh, not the Clarks, the Kents, find him on in the grass, and they, they raise him. And all of his life, Superman has these powers. He didn't just get them at some point in time. He had the powers. But he was told all of his life, just like in the video, that you'll be a freak. People won't accept you. They won't acknowledge who you are. You have gotta hide that. You can't be that. That part of your identity has to be secret. And so Superman lived this oppressed lifestyle. He lived this life where he had to assume an identity. He had to assume the identity of his earthly father. He had to take, took on the Kent. He became Clark Kent, even though he's Superman. He's Kyle el That's his like official Krypton name. In case you didn't know that. But as I started looking at Superman's story, I started looking because because this is church and we're going to compare him with Jesus and so we're going to get there. I promise it'll be. I mean, you can have a spiritual experience with Superman. I'm just saying. Okay? Yeah. We're going to go there, right? Yeah. So. As so I started paralleling the Man of Steel, I've got a list here. Just bear with me as I get through it. When we look at Jesus and, and, and Superman, they, they have some similarities. Both were sent by their fathers to this earth to help it. Now, kal was sent here because his planet was going to blow up, but his dad knew that he would be a blessing to the people. So I, I kind of say that's a parallel. Both of them hid amongst us, living average lives until an appointed time. Both of them took the identities of their earthly fathers. Clark Kent was a farmer. Jesus was a carpenter, and I don't mean the. Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? My wife's not here. She would be sitting right there, so I just pointed that direction. Not Rocco, rocket. It was the empty seat. Just what I'm saying. And I don't mean that carpenter. I mean a guy who worked with his hands. This is a guy who built things, right? So Jesus took that identity of his of his earthly father. Joseph. I feel like I'm talking really fast. It's probably because I've had a lot of coffee this morning. (laughs) I (laughs) apologize. Both of them worked miracles among us. Both of us had the hearts of servants. Both found strength in communing with their fathers. Both of them. Clark Kent had no idea who he was until he met his father. Oh, thou preach. Thou preach. Both are cultural icons of strength. Both in adoptive families to some capacity. Both saves those that could not save themselves. Both were powerful beings, and both had compassion for the hurting. And so we see this parallel between the Man of Steel, but the story of Superman came from from that common mythology, right, and so, you know, when these guys wrote, wrote it, but his story contains very little relatable quality to me and you, right? I mean, can you relate with being an alien? Anybody out there? Can anybody relate to having your planet destroyed? No. In some capacity, you can relate to being adopted. I'm adopted. My stepfather adopted me, and I took on his name. So maybe you can relate to that a little bit. Maybe you can relate to you know having having somebody uh, uh, suppress your potential or your ability to do things. Maybe you can relate to that a little bit. But on the whole, you really can't relate to it because Superman's impervious to anything. You can't relate to that. But these similarities are all that Jesus and Superman have in common. Jesus wasn't. Just sent to be the hero. He, he wasn't the hero we expected at all, actually. Jesus was the hero that we needed, though. Right? Jesus didn't come through. And they expected Jesus to be this governmental leadership. They expected him to come in and take over because Rome was oppressing the Jews. And they expected Jesus to be a political figure. And so they were waiting on him to rise up and be this great politician. And he just wasn't. He wasn't. It was not what we expected, but what we needed. Superman was sent to the earth because his planet was going to explode, and his father wanted him to survive. But Jesus was sent to the earth because we were in need of saving. And so Jesus steps out of glory, and he becomes a man, just like you and me. Well, some of you are women, but he becomes just like us. And why did he do that? He did that because while we idolize and revere greatness, we are inspired by those in whom we can relate. I'll say it again. While we idolize and revere greatness, we're inspired by those in whom we can relate. Jesus had to become a man so that we could relate to him. We didn't want this God separation of like, well, you're perfect. You don't know me. You haven't experienced what I've experienced. But Jesus had to come to earth, live in a flesh suit, out of glory, be born a child. He had to live an entire life. In Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We relate. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted, in everything that you're tempted in, every day of your life, Jesus experienced that. But he didn't sin. That's his difference. He is able to relate to you, and we needed a God who we could relate to. Jesus was tempted like us, he hungered like us, he slept like us, He fell down and bumped his knee like us. He got an education like us, and he worked just like us. He became like us. In fact, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, and it literally means God with us. And so that's who Jesus became. His epic work in his life, death, and resurrection caused our world to be turned upside down. But Maybe your story isn't like Jesus's, or maybe your story isn't like Superman. One that begins with the love of a father. And I say Superman begin there because once he tapped in to his father, he lived a completely different life. Completely different life. You know, Maybe you grew up in a home where your parents weren't married or, or were married, or where you were loved. You got good grades. Maybe you didn't do drugs. Maybe you didn't drink. Maybe you didn't sleep around. Maybe you saved yourself from marriage. Maybe you didn't get snared by all the temptations that all of us get snared by maybe you live just this great life but yet we still we, we you have like this fairy tale story and praise God for it but most of us that's not our experience. Anybody here say that they lived a fairy tale life? Most of us have felt the sting of being wrong or divorce, drugs, alcohol, sexual assault, addictions, the perversity of this world, all of us have felt that in some way, shape, or form. Whether we were the ones who were divorced, or whether we were the children involved in the divorce, or family members, no matter what, whether it was us individually, we've been affected by it. We've felt the sting of that. And that shapes who we are. And we live in response to that. Who we become is in response to that. Now, I would say we probably... If we're all being honest, we probably are all a little bit more like Batman than we are Superman. Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> we've got a yes back there. Batman, oddly enough, they, these two were, were put together in stories and comic books, just in case you carry. they were. But uh, Superman and Batman. But Batman, Batman did not live a life that was in response to his father, like Superman. Batman lived a life that was in response to the tragedy that happened to him. Batman, he became a bitter guy. His, okay, so if you don't know the story, little kid, they come out of the theater, his parents are shot and killed in, a, in an alley. And he's now an orphan and he lives with, with his millions and millions of dollars and his rich empire and with Alfred. But he's robbed of his family. And he lives this bitter lifestyle, and depends on which story arc you follow, he starts, when he gets older and he's finally able to do something about it, he's lived with this bitterness and his life becomes about getting vengeance for what happened, it's a response. To his circumstances, and so he spends every waking moment in training, traveling the world, looking for this guy. And when he finds him, if again, depending on the story arc that you follow, he has the opportunity to kill this guy, and he's gonna do it. It's the culmination of his life. His response is to take out all of his rage on this guy. And I think that's like you and I. I think we live our lives in response. So what's happened to us? It becomes our identity. It becomes everything that we do. If we came from a broken home, we're broken people. And we say we're going to live that way. And that's just who we are. That's who we're going to be. Well, I never had that, so you're not getting that. My dad beat me, so I'm beating my kids. And we carry on this curse. We carry on this identity that's not ours to have. We respond to our circumstances like Batman did. And it took him falling in love with a girl. And she finally said to him, I don't know who you are. This thing is eating you alive and you've become somebody that's not, that I don't even want to be with. And he turned, he repented, and he decided he was going to become a, a vigilante. And so Batman's story changes at that point, and he takes all of the rage and all of his training and starts using it for good. He's still a very dark character. He's still a very private character. But we see redemption in his life, which is an amazing thing. That's why I think we relate to him better. I want to tell you a story. We're going to jump into your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, we have Bibles here today. If you'll just raise your hand, I will give you a Bible. You can have one. We've got some Usher's have them. So if you just raise your hand, I will get you a Bible. Put it in your hands and you can have it. Take it home. No need to leave it here, okay? Um, We are in Genesis. If you want to turn there, it's Genesis 37, 2 through 4. We're going to talk about a young man named Joseph. And Joseph was a young man who knew God. He knew God. Who he was he knew who his father was and I mean he knew who his heavenly father was okay so we're in Genesis 37 2 through 4 Joe if, if these guys don't know where it's at, or anybody who's sitting next to you, you don't know where that is turn to somebody and say help me help me find it they'll, they'll get you there really quick or we'll put it up here on the screen okay Genesis 37 2 through 4 so Joseph a young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers the sons of Bilhah don't even know if I said that right and the sons of Zilpah his father's wives and he brought their father a bad report. So Joseph is a young man. There's twelve brothers, and he's one of them. And they're out in the flocks. He's seventeen years old, and he brings his dad a bad report about his older brothers. Bad news. I don't know if you guys have had a brother or a sister that constantly tattled on you, but that's never a good thing, and that doesn't earn you any brownie points. Okay? It's possibly why Joseph was hated, because you'll see in the next next verse too. It says, "Now Israel, which is Joseph's father, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age." And he made an ornate robe for him. Now, let me explain what ornate robe means. We're talking Liberace starter kit. You know what I'm saying? This thing was probably glitzed out, had some tassels, and Joey's walking around town, strutting his stuff, showing his love, the love for his father. He's literally wearing it as a coat because that's what his dad gave him. That was hard to come by. They're out in the desert, right? (coughs) And Joseph is the only one for it. At a young age, he develops a penchant for flair and pizzazz. <laughs> and when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and couldn't speak a kind word to him. I don't know if you guys experienced that or not, but I have an older brother, and sometimes I was pretty sure he hated me too. I'm going to tell you from, from being pinned down and being tickled till I peed myself to all the things that he did to torment me over the years. I know he loves me now, but I'm pretty sure there were moments in my life where he hated me. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I'd have to ask him. And so these guys, can you imagine living that life? You've got 11 older brothers, and they hate your guts. They hate your guts. All right, moving along to verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him more. So now here, Joseph, he has this God encounter, and God gives him a dream. Two of the, he had two dreams they are very similar. The first one was he dreamed that there was 11 stars and the moon and the sun, and they all bowed down low to the Libriachi-coated one, right? They all bowed down low to him. And they said, are you kidding me? You're the youngest of us. Now, in their culture, the oldest one is the one who would receive the blessing, who would re- receive the house, and everyone would kind of stay with them. And then as they all died off, it would continue to pass down to the brothers, right? Joseph's the youngest one. And they're like, really? You think we're going to bow down to you? That's not going to happen. He even tells his mom and dad. And his dad's like, Joey, come on. Really? You think we're going to bow down to you? And so the brothers, this just fuels their fire even more to the point that they just want to kill him. So we'll jump down to verse 19. So if you're back in your Bibles, we're we're skipping a little bit, but I'm I'm trying to get through the story as fast as I can. In 19, Joseph sent out to see his brothers to do a check on him because now dad knows that Joey's a tattletale. He's going to send him out to check on his brothers, right? So we've got the youngest guy checking on the old guys, and they hate him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns. Well, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They're not happy. They want to kill their brother, and uh, the older brother, the older brother Reuben, says, "Hey guys, this isn't wise. We're not going to do that, but we are going to go ahead and throw him in the well <laughs> for whatever reason." And so we pick up in twenty-three. Reuben takes off um, on an errand. He's doing something. I I can't remember. It's not important. Verse twenty-three says, "So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing." And they took him and they threw him into the cistern. And the cistern was empty, there was no water in it. While he's down inside of this cistern, Reuben takes off, he's got some work to do on the side. They've got his jacket, they take his jacket and they shred it. They put some animal blood on it and told his dad that he died. And they decided while Reuben was off, Judah, one of the other brothers, brothers says, hey, we're gonna take him and we're gonna sell him. We'll just sell him into slavery, we'll never have to deal with him again. These, these, these people will come through, they'll take him off to Egypt, we'll never have to deal with him again. Uh, Joseph is suffering so many wrongs. His circumstances. And Joseph has a choice to respond to those circumstances. And, and I, I want to show you what happened. So, so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels. That sound, so, sound uh, familiar? 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. They betrayed him for 20 pieces of silver. Just like Jesus was betrayed. And so Joseph is carried off into slavery, sold off. His dad thinks he's dead. His brothers are living with a lie, but they don't have to deal with the dreamer anymore, so they're happy with that. And he suffers this injustice. When we follow Joseph's story, we find later on that he gets into, uh, he finds grace and favor because Joseph lives a life that is in response to his heavenly father and not his circumstances. And we see the scriptures say that he found favor with God and that God blessed everything that he did. So even as a slave, he's made the master of one of the head guys in the army. His name is Potiphar. He's made master of his home. And Potiphar didn't worry about anything else because Joey was around. He let him take care of everything. Again, Joseph suffers an injustice. Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with him. Joey's like, how can I do this? How can I sin against God? I can't do that. My master's given me everything. Can't do it. Once again, response to who the father is and not to his circumstances. She lies about it, says he tried to sleep with her. He gets thrown in prison. In prison, God blesses him. Why? Joseph's not responding to his circumstances. He's responding to his heavenly father. He's wronged in prison, kept there for years, and finally gets released. And and the rest of his story is an amazing story that we'll get to in two weeks. And I'll finish it out. But Joseph lived a life that was in response to who the father was. He didn't allow his tragedy to become his identity. He didn't hang his head and say, woe is me. I've been in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a well. I've been sold into slavery. My dad thinks I'm dead. Nobody knows I'm here. Nobody's coming to rescue me. No hope. But he doesn't live that way. And I'm telling you that, that we have to be just like Joseph. We have to learn to let our past project us into our futures. Joseph wound up in a place where he was blessed because he didn't let his past hold him there. He didn't stay there. It happened here, and he moved down in life, and he didn't stay there. He kept going. Joseph knew who he was. But see, our problem is, is we don't know who we are. We don't know who God is. We don't know the truth, and so we accept the lie of our stories, of our backstory. See, Superman grew up up a confused boy. His story didn't make any sense. He had no purpose, no identity that matched up with his powers and no potential to ever use them. His father made him hide all of his powers. He wasn't super at all on the outside. He was told he'd be a freak, an outsider, that people wouldn't accept him. And the enemy sells us that same lie, right? But embracing our past, letting it be what it is and acting as a launching pad into our futures, that's what we have to do. We've got to move forward. Having learned along the way how to avoid those pitfalls, and then helping others out of those pitfalls as well. But see, that's what God intended for us. But here's what we do in our pride, in our arrogance, in our like, oh, I'm not going to do that. We have this temptation to hide our stories. We have this temptation because, whether it's because of shame, you say, well, I was a drug addict, or I've been to prison, or I beat my wife, or I... I left my children, I abandoned them at some point in time. Or whatever it may be, whatever that, that thing is, whatever it is you're afraid of, whatever your story is, you may find shame in that, so you don't want to share that. Maybe you weren't loved by your parents, whatever that is. Whatever whatever's been you've done or has been done to you brings you shame and you hide your story. So we lie about our past or omit part of it. Or we've been hurt in our story, so we build up walls. We don't want to get hurt again. So we build up these walls and surround ourselves and say, this is not gonna happen to me again. I'm not gonna let that happen. But healing doesn't happen when we build up the walls. Healing happens in relationship and forgiveness. That'll preach too. We'll get there. Some of us allow it to create our identity. We allow it to define who we are. So if we're broken, Lost, hopeless, hurting, beaten. We allow our backstory to be that. We say, that's who we are today. That's who I'm going to be. You can't make me change, Aaron. You can't make me accept anything else. This is who I am. I was just saying that it is what it is. I am who I am. Whatever. I'm made by my circumstances. It's my dad's fault. It's my mom's fault. We blame and we hold on to our sins so tight. We hold on to our bitterness, but it's killing us. It's destroying us. Your backstory is your resume. It clearly marks out your experience and your qualifications in life. It's because you never know who's going through the same thing and needs encouragement. How dare we hold on to our stories, especially after we've come to Christ, especially after we get the opportunity to live a life in response to the love of our Heavenly Father. How dare we hold on to it? I want to tell you, now the whole reason I'm even preaching this message because I believe in the power of your story. I didn't think I had a testimony. Maybe you're like me. You grew up in a great home. I was adopted and I had a man love me when my father wasn't there for me. I was provided Christian education. I grew up in a home that loved God. We went to church. I had a drug problem when I was a kid. I got drugged to church on Sunday morning. Sunday night, <laughs> drug to church Wednesday, drug Friday, drug Saturday, Sunday afternoon to the potluck. I lived in a home where we grew up in church. I knew Jesus. I lived a life through high school that was blessed. And I never thought I had a story per se, but that's not my whole story. I got to a point in my life where I was offended at God and the people in the church. And I walked away. That's part of my story too. I got addicted to pornography. Oh, Aaron, why are you telling us that? That makes us look at you different. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You've got sin in your life too. Throw a stone if you don't. I got addicted. I got married, I got divorced, broken. And I walked away from God, and his love for me, his plan. And I started responding to my circumstances my story and I share it every opportunity I get because you're just like me you've got a tragedy that's happened to you you've got something that's happened to you and you're living your life in response to it instead of the love of God everything that has happened to me in my life no matter what it is God has redeemed it means he's used it for his purposes to be a blessing I shouldn't be standing here today but I am I've been redeemed, my life has been redeemed and my story is part of that. I told my story last year. I I shared it with my pastor and he taught me the passion of of hearing people's stories. So if you ever sit down and have coffee with me, one of the first things I'm gonna ask you is tell me your story. I wanna hear it. Core team member, when we launched this church, we sat for an hour and a half. Wasn't a dry eye in the room. And we shared our stories with each other. It's important. Not so that we know how to be aware or to you know, to dance around your issues. It's to know. Because if I know you've struggled in an area and you're overcoming it, I know I can say, hey, my brother here is struggling in this and I can put you two together and you can pray for each other, encourage one another. I shared my story last year because I didn't think I had a story to tell. At a church, I shared it with a pastor and he said, you gotta come tell that. I'm like, really? You know my story, and I was in awe. Two services I got to share. Service after service, people were giving their lives to Christ because of the love of God in my life. They were able to see the love of God in theirs. People that had been bitter for years, the walls came down. They'd been holding on to unforgiveness. They were set free. People that dealt with addiction to pornography set free that day. I walk with some of them and I work with them through their addiction I'm honored to do that because God set me free and I got to do that that day but it doesn't stop there, they filmed it and they put it on YouTube so I grabbed that link, put it on my Facebook you are all on Facebook, right? I'm not speaking something weird to anybody and I put it up on Facebook and one of my friends on Facebook, you know, friends and uh, he watches it and he sent me this long email and says, Aaron, for the first time in years, as I was listening to your testimony, God started speaking to me through your testimony. He said, I was driving, playing the video. He wasn't looking at it. He was just sitting in his seat. He made sure he tell me that so I didn't think he was going to wreck. And he watched this video or listens to the video. And he says, for the first time, God just filled the car where I was and met me. He wasn't even in church. God's everywhere. Isn't it amazing? God, he's amazing guy driving to the grocery store. He says, Aaron, you don't understand. I was like, that's great, man. That's awesome. He said, you don't understand. I have a gun and bullets and I was gonna end my life. (laughs) Because I left my walls down. I shared the story. God touched this guy. Shared your story, people. Share your story. A life saved, literally not just by the power of God changing him from the inside out, but a life literally saved. We've got a story to save, or to tell, that will save people. In Revelation 12, 11, it says, they triumph over him, because I've got scripture to back up what I'm telling you. They triumph over him. Who's him? It's the God of this world. It's the devil. By the blood of the lamb, which Joseph so, so wonderfully spoke about earlier. Jesus. Forgiveness, the cleansing, but they overcame him by that and by what? The word of their testimony. Their story. We've got to stop being ashamed. Repentance is a good thing. Your story can change someone's life. When we've got to live out our story, our life, it's tragedy. It happened. I've had bad things happen and I shouldn't be here. But I'm not living a life in response to that anymore. I'm living a life in response to the love of my Father. My Heavenly Father. In Romans 5.3 it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. That sounds like such a weird thing to say. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance character. And character hope. Wait, you mean to tell me that there are good things that come from the suffering? From the injustice? From the thing that I've been responding to? There's something good? Yes if you'll allow it, if you'll share it, if you'll allow God to redeem you. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us.